1: I know that my Redeemer lives. Those are words uttered in the midst of extreme trials and tragedy and false accusations from close friends. We'll take a look at this amazing statement next on Abounding Grace. Sadly, way too many people lose sight of the hope that is laid out for them, even in the midst of severe tragedy and trials. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll continue with another look at Job chapter 19, a message called, I Know My Redeemer Lives. Now, This is a statement that Job gives us right in the midst of this severe trial and tragedy in his life and at the hands of his dear friends accusing him of wrongdoing And this is why the tragedy has happened. How does Job respond is the subject of our time today and a hallmark, a stanchion, if you will, as to how you and I should respond in the midst of trials and tragedy. Here's our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, with a look at today's broadcast of Abounding Grace.
0: Job here speaks beyond all feelings, and he's again gone probably a little bit too far He wants all of his sufferings permanently recorded, permanently written with an iron pen. He says in so many words, put them on Mount Jobmore. Write them up there so that everyone will know and see what's happening to me. That no one has ever been treated like I've been treated. I've lost everything. And above all, God has abandoned me. The God I love, the God I will trust, has abandoned me to destruction and to the grave. And he has no comfort at all. You see, Job sees no light at the end of the tunnel. He sees his grave in front of him. In his mind, he is shattered beyond all hope of recovery. And remember, This has all happened in about a week's time, very quickly. And his friends, when he needed them to comfort him, they're nailing him to the cross of their pride and their own vanity. But here at this very low point, in fact, this may be the lowest point in all of the exchanges, exchanges with his friends. There is something else at work here in Job. Verse 25 to the end of the chapter. There is another dynamic at work here. Job is a man of faith. We should have no doubt about Job's integrity after reading these lines because his faith is speaking here. Faith is speaking things even Job cannot fully comprehend or understand You know, there are all kinds of critics who look at these lines, for I know my Redeemer lives and He still stands in the latter days. And they think Job could not have possibly been talking here about the resurrection and about the Redeemer because he couldn't believe anything beyond what his reason would have taught him. He couldn't see anything beyond his own circumstances or common religious notions of the day. But remember something about faith. Faith comes from God. Faith is latched to God unbreakably. And whenever faith is assailed, it goes back to the Father. And you may think to yourself, if you're going through things right now, all I need to do is pray. Well, let me tell you, you're doing the right thing. Because that is where real faith goes faith comes from the Father. It's not something we conjure up. It's not, well, I walk the aisle, I'm good to go. I've got my get out of hell free card. You may be in hell one day looking at that card thinking, well, I I did walk the aisle. I did pray the prayer. And here I am in hell. No real faith comes from God and it changes the life. And whenever there is trouble... And the fires burn around. It all goes back to God. And faith can see things at a distance that the believer cannot fully grasp with his reason as we see here. Or even articulate with his words. And that is how Job speaks. Remember that's where he is in verses 23 and 24. Just write down all of my sufferings. Get a pin of iron and write on the side of a rock. No one... has ever suffered like Job but oh yeah there is a redeemer In Hebrew that word means kinsman redeemer and Job says in the midst of all of this I know that I have a redeemer someone who is close to me and yet it feels like he's become my enemy but faith here sees something else Faith sees beyond or behind God's discipline. Behind God's chastening. Behind death. He is love. He has purposes in these things I cannot fathom. And I don't need to. All I need to do is hold on to my Redeemer. Because He will vindicate me. He will plead for me. He will deliver me from my troubles. And He will Preserve me. So please note this about Job. With all of his faults and his overstatements and exaggerations of woe, there is something else which should remind us that this is one of the reasons why Paul called the Corinthians a church, even though they were unloving, immoral, arrogant, and probably none of us would ever want to join to a church if that church of Corinth opened its doors down the street. And yet, they were a church. Because our faith and our standing with God is not based upon how good we are. If it were, none of us would be children of God. It's not based upon how much we know. It is based upon there is a Redeemer who has bound Himself to us and He will do what is right by us. Here we see Yet Job's faith, his soul, was anchored within the very presence of God already. Because he looked to that Redeemer, who would be the Lord Jesus. He says in verse 25, at the latter day, Job sees, my Redeemer will stand on the earth. Job didn't know the name of Jesus yet. That wasn't revealed. But like Adam, like Noah, like Abraham, like Jacob, when he spoke of Shiloh. Like all of the faithful. He knew that God had promised a seed. He knew that God had promised a deliverer. Had Job not known and believed this, he would have no friend of God. But he did know and he did trust in it. God brought Job to this place in his life. And listen closely. Where the promise of redemption was all he had left. What if all you had left was John 3.16? The promise of redemption was the only thing Job had. This is not mere poetry. It's not just a nice little story. Job was reduced like this. He lost everything. He thought he was ready to die. His health was broken. He wasn't eating. His family and friends had rejected him. God wasn't answering his prayer. All his older sons and daughters were killed. And all of this in a day. Literally all Job had left was the promise of the Redeemer. And I think this is one of God's main lessons in this whole book. He was teaching Job and us, and he was throwing this into Satan's face. The hope of salvation is all that we need. That is all we need, and with that we must be content, beloved. We need to trust God and live by His Word alone. Now, God is not normally pleased to give us, or he is normally pleased to give us a lot of other things. But it's interesting here. When we do have a lot of prosperity, we need to remember all the warnings that Moses gave the children of Israel in Deuteronomy. When we come into the land and when you, when you come into the land and when you are are prosperous, beware lest you do what? Lest you forget. When you have all of your friends around you and when you don't really have any problems and you're a young guy, healthy and strong, beware lest you forget. When you are a young woman and you are attractive and you have considerable male attraction coming your way and a lot of potential in life, beware lest you forget. Forget what? Forget that beauty doesn't last. Health doesn't last. Strength doesn't last. Prosperity doesn't always last. And even if it does last your whole life, you can't take it with you. And you certainly don't know if your children would just throw it to the wind in a short period of time after you're gone. But we have one sure thing. We know. We know that our Redeemer lives and Job knew it. And Job, in effect, here says, if he slays me, I will trust his promise. He says there in verse 26, even after my skin is destroyed. And this is dealing with corruption, like his whole body is breaking down in the grave. Notice, though, in my flesh, I will see God. How is this possible? Yet in my flesh, I will see God. Oh, he knows. God will resurrect my body. The language here is very tense, which is fitting for one in Job's state. It's more like gasping staccato than anything else. My Redeemer lives, although my body, my skin is destroyed. I will live again in my flesh. I will see God. That is what I will hold on to when everything else has collapsed around me. Job believes God's word. He has offered sacrifices in the hope of God's forgiveness through the deliverer. He looks at the grave, but he knows death cannot separate me from God. He anticipates 1 Corinthians 15, O death, where is your sting? The grave will get me, but God will get me out, and I will see him in my flesh. He says there in verse 27, I will see him for myself. My eyes shall behold him. Beloved, this is not some spiritual vision. His physical eyes shall see the Almighty and not another, even though my life be consumed within me. You know, Job is of a pure heart. And Scripture says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I'll understand a pure heart is not perfect. Job has not been perfect. He has gone too far in certain things, and he's complained too much. We can say all the things we want to say about him, but Job knew, I am going to see God, and that is what I want. I am going to see him at last, no matter what else happens. I think in one sense, verse 27, Job is mocking the grave. He's like, come and get me. Even if my life, everything that makes me me all goes away, I'm going to live. Now, applying this to ourselves, if Job could barely but in many respects so clearly perceive that his Redeemer lives and he could see him in his flesh, how much more clearly should we see him? Beloved, when was the last time you thought, in my flesh, I'm going to see God? When you go to a funeral, in my flesh, this body perfected, I will see God with these eyes, not another. Not some preacher telling me I will. I truly will see God with my own eyes. If we are to see him, we can't be content with a gaze or two at this promise, can we? Our Lord has come and he's died for us, this redeemer for which Job hoped, and he died to death, to death by his life, and he is now alive, and he reigns at the Father's right hand, and he intercedes for us, and he has opened heaven for us that we can call upon God as our Father. Beloved, do you believe he is alive? Do you truly believe that in your flesh you will see God? Well, we do believe it if we are praying continuously, if we are trusting God's wisdom and we are trusting His plan for our life. Oh, we may not understand it. Things may look all messed up, but we know even more than Job. This is the essence of the glory of the new covenant Christian. We know it has been sealed with the very blood of Christ, witnessed by innumerable multitudes and with the power of our changed lives. We believe it if we are calling on Him in the midst of our struggles and casting our cares on Him. We believe that He is alive and will help us if we walk humbly with Him and adore Him. Do you believe the living One is my life and I will see Him with my eyes? You may feel like your struggles are killing you. Sometimes we do. There have been times in my life I didn't think I was going to die but I thought this is about as bad as it can get for me. Now, we can't measure ourselves by other people. I can't measure my life by Job's at all. God brings weights and loads to each one individually. It's not that David Pyle measures himself by me or by Stephen or by Lynn. But for each of us, we feel God's hand Is upon us at times and what are we supposed to do we are to look to the living one we are supposed to confess in the midst of our trials Lord Jesus I know that you are alive you are my shepherd my bread my water my gate my wisdom my judge you are everything I need it all rests in you I don't know how you are going to work this all out, but I know that you are alive and you are working all things out for my good. So I pray to you that you will help me and strengthen me. And when we ask, oh, he shares his fullness with us, beloved. And I think that's one of the reasons he brings us low as Christians. Now, A lot of times we want to get around it. It's like suffering for dummies, how to get around affliction in three easy steps. How to blame other people for your problems instead of just recognizes this is how the father deals with his sons. He brings us under the discipline of the cross, and He takes away from each one according to His will the things that you and I trust too much in, the idols we have, to bring us to where we look to His promise of the living Redeemer as our Savior. Beloved, read Isaiah sometimes. Sometimes, so so many times, Isaiah, after chapter dealing with judgment, it ends, look to me and be saved. I am your Redeemer. I am your Savior. There is no other. And today, of course, we hear, oh, vote for this guy. He's your Savior. Vote for that one. Vote for this party. Go for that solution. We have all these hucksters And all these scam artists who are able to take advantage of all the problems that have been created in our nation. Because we do not believe that Jesus Christ is alive. And we go whoring after other gods and man-made solutions. And we do not believe we will see God in our flesh. Because if we did, our lives would be but a preparation for our meeting with him. Mine would be. Yours would. Job concludes here at the end with a warning. It's a very interesting way to end this chapter. Faith is here giving him a boldness again for a minute. Job is afflicted and he's hurting. But he has been confessing. And he turns to his friends there in verse 28. And he says, you better stop persecuting me. He says, seeing the root of the matter. And you know, here the word root or the word matter is probably better translated word. He says, I'm speaking the word to you. I'm speaking the gospel to you. Job says, You better listen to me. I've just told you about the Redeemer. I told you about the one who is coming, and in my flesh I will see him, and he will raise me from the dead. You better listen. And then Job adds very boldly Remember, faith gives boldness. He says, You better be afraid of the sword because judgment is coming. And if you don't repent and believe this gospel, that sword is going to fall on you. You know, the last day, which is coming many, many years from now, but it is coming, is going to be very tragic, very sad, very horrible. And we will stand to be judged by the very ones we looked down on. Because when they brought the word to us, we thought, man, I don't have to listen to this one. I mean, look at the way he dresses. Or we adults think, we don't have to listen to him. He's too young to have anything valuable to say. And you young people, you better be careful. I wonder how many young people have gone out after a worship service and immediately been killed in an automobile accident. Accident, But just before that. They were looking down on the preacher saying. Man I wish he would just stop preaching about sin and condemnation. So we could move on. And then they find themselves spending a lifetime. In, spending time in eternity. In eternity in hell. Gnawing. Gnawing on that last sermon. Because they didn't repent and they didn't believe the gospel. Job here is very bold. He says, listen, don't despise the messenger. Yes, he's weak, he's sinful, and he'll tell you how sinful he is. But Job said, you know something? These poor ones like me are going to rise again. And they're going to have a crown of gold on their head. And they'll have robes of white. And they will reflect the glory of their master. And what a horrible thing it will be that those whom we laughed at on earth for their faith, for their desire to walk in terms of God's word, and we will see them walking into the eternal city while we are sent away into the everlasting fire. Oh, we better be careful. Job says judgment is coming. So, beloved, let's not let this be true of us. Let's not be like Job's friends. Let's humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God because pride will bring us low. Pride will bring us to hell. These three six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. And do you remember what the first one is? Proud looking eyes. I know more than you. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to humble myself before my parents, before my preacher, before the elders. Job's three friends looked at this pathetic creature, Job, and thought, we know more than this man. Look how this man is cursed. And Job preaches to them the gospel. And he says, you better repent and you better stop persecuting me because God's word will either give you life or it will bring eternal death to you. And as Paul later said, I pray that the Lord will give all of us hope. You may be going through some really difficult things. We all do at times. Oh, beloved, don't be surprised by it. But where do you run to? Do you run home to Papa, our Heavenly Father, and say, I know that my Redeemer lives. I may feel like I'm dying, but he is alive. I may be suffering the consequences of sin, but I know he is living. And in my flesh, I will see him. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. So let us pray that God will purify us, no matter what shape that purification may take. That he will humble us for our sins. That we may be truly sorry for them and hate them and turn from them and realize that with the sorrow there always is hope and mercy and he will forgive us and cleanse us and he will bring us to himself amen let us pray father we thank you for these words of hope and of warning And we pray that you apply them deep into our hearts and lives, that we may love you and walk with you. And when it is our hour of sifting and suffering, may we confess, Lord, I may feel like dying, but my Redeemer is alive, and he will bring me safely through it all and shape me for my eternity with you. Oh, how blessed it is to be your child. Purify us, sanctify us, and bring us into a closer walk with you for Jesus' sake.